Welcome to The Lead Clinic. I'm your host, Dr. Peter Vitale, and today we have a guest on, an insurance agent uh, from the state of California, and you know that insurance agents are my people, and I love insurance agents for a variety of reasons, so I'm very excited for this interview. And we have Eric Alsop on from uh, California. Eric, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Doing well, Peter. Doing well. Thank you for having me. Excited to join, and uh, you know, excited for this to be my first official podcast, to be honest with you. Well, awesome. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you here. You know, insurance agents are important to me as, as I've told everyone on this podcast and I've told you in our conversations before, because that's who I am. And that's the whole point of Lead Clinic is to bring transparency to lead generation for insurance agents, but also for, for other verticals that we're moving into as well. And, you know, Eric, you're, um, you're unique because you're a sophisticated insurance agent that actually knows and understand lead gen better than than most, and that's that's challenging for many people uh, because right, you're you're small business owners who are focused on their business, and while marketing and lead generation is an important part of their business, it isn't the only part, right? As we know, we wear a lot of hats in our businesses, we do a lot of uh, different things, but you know, focusing on marketing activities is extremely important. And I often hear uh, much of the same things from insurance agents about lead gen, whether it's lead gen's a scam and I kind of roll my eyes, but you know, let's be honest, there are some lead gen parts that are a scam. Um, but you know, just at a very high level, you know, would you mind giving us an overview of kind of you know, your career up until now and like you know, how you use lead generation in the agency that you're at and kind of what your process is and uh, kind of just like what your feelings are about lead generation, just really broad and very generally. Yeah, I guess so. So to start, you know, I, I, it's interesting in the insurance world. I I don't think it's as unique, but I guess you could say I'm I'm a third generation insurance agent. Uh, you know, my grandfather started in the insurance world. He's on the legal side for for Mercury. Uh, my dad's been an Allstate agent, John Alsop, for over thirty years. Um, and then I partnered with uh, with him here about five years ago, getting into the insurance world. Uh, and he was very active in, in the lead and marketing space, uh, going to the events like LeedsCon and, and really gaining knowledge and, and having a good understanding there. And that really fascinated me because what better way to scale than to get more leads and build a pipeline and, and drive some sales. Um, so it very much makes sense to utilize uh, the lead generation aspects to scale the business rapidly. And, you know, with where we're at now, understanding it was, I'd say, you know, five years ago when I first started getting a, a better understanding of it to where I'm at now is you're right. You got to find the right players. You got to cut through some of the BS and, and really find partners and develop relationships just like any other business. You got to develop the relationships with partners that it's a win-win on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's, you know, it's fascinating that you say that because as I was an insurance agent who really, you know, I entered lead generation world not to not to like become a lead aggregator or a lead publisher or to 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 do any of that. Honestly, when I started doing this and getting involved in this, I did it 
very transparently to see how bad I was getting screwed by the lead gen people. I assumed I was some. I just didn't know if it was a tolerable amount or an intolerable amount. And, uh, you know, I tell everyone, you know, it's like I don't like to over romanticize this, but I kind of fell in love with it. Right. It's it's fascinating. It's you know, I can never kind of figure it out all the way. Every day I wake up, I realize, you know, when I go to bed, I, I realize that honestly, I know that I know, knew less when I went to bed than I did when I, I woke up because there's just so much changes constantly. And it's fascinating to me to figure out how to perfect this stuff um, to the best possible level. So it's a great, it's great to see other insurance agents that, that really get involved in this. And you hit the point about relationships. And I think that's critical because for me, building relationships with people in the lead generation community was really how I got to learn what I know today and how, you know, the knowledge that I've acquired that I'm using to help other insurance agents. And I understand from a small business owner's perspective, it's hard to do that when you're also trying to run your business. And it's also extremely hard to do that when you're just starting your business. Um, and that's kind of the whole purpose of why Lead Clinics here is to help those insurance agents you know, buy better leads, better quality, higher converting leads. And you know, one of the things, Eric, that really, you know, is somewhat frustrating for me is insurance agents always want to talk about what's the cost per lead. And I'm an adamant believer that that is the wrong question to be asking. Um, certainly, I, I don't say that, right? And I know what everyone's thinking right now. They're like, Peter wants to sell us more expensive leads, so he makes more money. That's not true. What my point is in saying this, Eric, is that if you're measuring your conversion metrics, and if you're measuring what matters, how much of your money are you spending on advertising that goes to a converted policy versus a wasted you know, opportunity? That's what I want folks to look at. And you know, do you share in that philosophy? Are you focused on, you know, when you're buying leads for your agency, are you focused on cost per lead? Are you focused on you know, conversion metrics? Kind of what's your thought process and how does that uh, play into your marketing decisions? So I think the, you know, the cost per lead is a starting conversation, right? So when you talk about building the relationships and, and looking at the metrics, at, at the end of the day, and anytime I start a relationship with somebody in the lead space, I got to be able to at least commit 90 days to them because we got to get some sort of sample size, some sort of metrics to figure out if it's working or not, right? Um, but then, and so yeah. that, that conversation on the cost per lead is an entry level conversation because you got to have a starting point. Now, if the cost per lead on, uh, let's, let's use live transfers as, a, as an example, is $50 a call. And we have some different metrics set up with daily caps and what our conversion rate is at the end of the day. Well, if, if we're hitting our daily caps and over our conversion rate, then we can probably reduce the, the cost of the lead, right? Because, you know, you, as, as, the, as the lead provider, if you are constantly hitting my daily caps, you know, let's see if we lower that. Let's find the sweet spot of where it is that the market is saying that you don't have volume or, you know, I'm not getting more because there's too many bidders out there that is going to buy the leads before me. And so I, I think it's a, it's a delicate balance, but under, you know, I think a really important part is, you, you know, cost per lead is again, an entry level conversation, but that's, that's not what you're focused on 60 days into the relationship, yeah. 
90 days into the relationship, you're past that because you're looking at, uh, you know, your cost per quote, uh, your cost per bind, uh, you know, what is, what is the value of the customers that, that you're getting, you know, and then as that relationship continues and you can go back and look at the retention of those policies, you know, may, there's, there's value to be had on the, the lifetime value of the customers that the, they're bringing in or is, is the leads that I'm buying from somebody are those constant shoppers and you're retargeting them. And now they're just falling out of my books, you know, 12 months every year after, after I bring them on with you. So, but that, that's not all brought to the table in the beginning. We, we kind of figure that along the journey. Yeah, and that's a great way to put it. And I would say this to, to your points. You make excellent points. And, you know, I, I don't want to pick on anyone, right? But I was talking to an insurance agent the other day. And, you know, his position was, Peter, by the time I pay for the lead or the live transfer or the inbound call, and but by the time I pay my sales producer a commission on that, and by the time I cover, you know, some, some other overhead, let's say, he said, I'm not making any money on these, these policies. And I kind of chuckled and I said, well, what are you using to measure your revenue? And he's like, well, the commission I'm making. And I said, well, you do realize we're in the insurance business and this is a residual income play, right? Um, you know, you have to judge the lifetime value because if I'm gonna spend, let's say, even my cost per bind is $200, okay? If I say I'm gonna spend $200 to acquire a customer and I was gonna get a commission of $205, and that was it, I would say it's not a really good trade-off, right? But if you're looking at the average you know, uh, tenure of your average client from that lead source, and then you're saying, okay, maybe it's six years, maybe it's eight years, you know, all state and progressive use eight years as a, as a measure of their average client retention. So I think it's a pretty good number to use. Um, but if you look at that, now you're saying, well, now I'm paying $200 for something that's gonna produce a lot more income over time. And I think that's, you've gotta be in that right mindset to understand that. And, and not everyone's ready for this. Not everyone is ready to scale with uh, lead generation. It's not, um, it's not for your um, mom and pop agency that may have one or two people there that uh, you know, are just kind of busy all day with service work. Like you need to have a dedicated sales organization. I think that's something that you definitely understand. So you know, can you talk a little bit about like, you know, what you would think an ideal agency footprint looks like or you know, a staffing plan looks like for an agency that really wants to scale with lead generation? Yeah, you know, I think that that's an important part when you talk about the relationships and building it, you know, when you're getting into the conversation with the lead gen partners, you know, there's, there's some ownership on holding them accountable for the quality of the leads and um, what you're receiving on the metrics. But there's, there's just as much ownership on the agent side for having processes in place to to run leads to take leads um what's your call cadence what's the follow-up uh, you know if, if you're looking at at your you know your processes and and your sales agents and their time to bind right is under seven days on average well your follow-up process and your call cadence you don't have the right processes in place because you should be, and that's why I say 90 days as a, you know, entry level relationship, because you should be seeing leads close one call closes. Absolutely. But then there's going to be 14 days later, 30 days later, 60 days, 90 days. I, I think at the, uh, at the end of the day, a lot of times, you know, a, a 30 day time to bind 
uh, life cycle of a lead is pretty uh, pretty average. And, and so, you know, having those processes in place and the ownership of the staff, um, you know, if, if it's to get up to scale, I'd say, you know, you're probably looking at at least 10 sales agents that are fully dedicated to this space, not working customer service, um, you know, and, and that's a that's a good base of a team to build around so you can actually get some volume from your lead gen partners and have some uh, some sizable scalability on uh, the metrics that you're looking at. And and then from there, you know, it, it's going to take some time to see the results. It doesn't, again, it doesn't happen overnight, but through that relationship and through the uh, the efforts of your team, you should start to see the cost per acquisition go down, the cost per bind. Um, you should see the closing ratios go up. And, you know, one, one thing I always tell with my lead gen partners, I said, hey, is your, your brand amongst my agents is just as important as the, the metrics that we're seeing here. If, you know, if they start self-selecting or giving you bad feedback, it gets to be a point of no return to where they're going to stop working your leads, stop working your data, and we're going to start to see this nosedive. And so, you know, I need you invested in this on the quality side to make sure that your brand is staying strong inside of my agency so that, again, it's a win-win relationship for all of us. You know, that that's probably one of the most insightful things I've I've heard from an agent about lead gen, honestly, because... What you just said there is, let's just break that down for a second because I think it's extraordinarily important, right? I, I deal with a client in, who's also in California that focuses on non-standard. And he says to me all the time, when my phone rings and it is a lead clinic lead, my staff is happy. Uh, they are like ready to go, right? Because they know that the clients are engaged, that they're, they're having a good experience. And, you know, while that makes me very happy to hear, I never really thought about it in the perspective you just said it. Because when the inverse is true, right, people are going to shut down because much like anything, if you're not getting much value from something, are you going to put your maximum effort into it? Of course not. I mean, that's just human nature. So that that's, I think, a very, very, very strong point. And, you know, the, so, so let's break it down, get into a little more detail on that. What do you think makes, obviously, is this contact rate among leads that your staff is dialing out on? Is it, um, you know, whether, you know, uh, what, what would cause them to be excited or not excited about something so yeah, or a particular it, lead source i should say I, I, especially on on data internet leads you know one one thing is is i common thoughts in the industry is it's okay to have 15 to 20 percent return rate or you know bad leads let's say right but if you think about that so now i'm telling a, an agent that has let's say they get a hundred leads in a week and 20% of them are, are bad, right? Or maybe it's skewed, it's round robin amongst the team. And so maybe one agent is getting a heavy dose of those. Um, if they're calling out those prospects and they're getting feedback that, why are you calling me? I never requested a quote, um, calling for Bob, but George answers. And, and so, you know, or, I'm tired of, of getting, you know, I already told you guys, I don't want this. If that is the constant feedback, if it's heavily weighted on the bad calls or don't call me anymore or anything like that, incorrect information, uh, that really turns agents off. 
And because then they're looking at it like, all right, here's another one. It's going to be a bad phone number. It's going to be disconnected. Now they feel like they're wasting their time just trying to hit their outbound dial metrics and knowing that it's a bad phone number. And, and that is the, the death of a, a vendor, to be honest with you. You know, and that's exactly right. And, um, you know, I've been doing um, recently some some videos I've been posting to Instagram and LinkedIn, and I, I call it like lead clinic after hours, right? It's me sitting in my home office kind of talking to the camera about things that we're doing and things that have frustrated me as, as a lead buyer. Um, and a couple important things, you know, to talk about here, right? The phone numbers, disconnected phone numbers, right? Every lead that lead clinic sells, we vet. We, we, there's a process we put them through to check and see if the phone number is in fact connected. Uh, you know, the carriers return a, a quick decision to us that says it's a working number. If it's not, we don't sell the lead because that's a waste of time for everyone involved, right? Um, so that's something that we, you know, at Lead Clinic, you know, we're fully transparent and why would we sell a lead if the number didn't work, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure I could make a lot more money if I did it that way, but it would not make sense to me. I want happy clients. And I think that there's a balance, right, between as a lead aggregator, between making money and having happy clients. And I think you can do both. Um, you don't have to be greedy. And I feel like a lot of agents have felt like lead generation has been a very one-sided relationship. Um, now, I'll ask you if you agree or disagree, um, but I think that there's a point to be made before that, which is it's a relationship and that's something you hit on. Like you need to have a relationship with your lead vendors. And I know that's hard if you're going to some of the largest aggregators because they just, it, it's a little differently. It's a, it's a more of a um, you know fast paced model, get people onboarded, sell them leads well, and just hit and the easy button and move on. And that's... And, yeah. a, and a big part of that is, you know, as insurance agents, we're, you know, lead vendors, you talk to them, they want, you know, they get all excited to talk about a new account and they want five, 10, 15, $20,000 a month to start. Yeah. Yeah. In, in all reality, yeah. that is not most insurance agents marketing budget on a monthly basis. Now the big carriers, Geico, Progressive, the billion dollars spend, all state corporate, billion dollars spend. All right, now with them, so, so the lead vendors really love those guys because they're taking a lot of volume, there's not as much returns, you know, it's just sell it and forget it type of thing, right? But on the agent side, that dollar, $1,000 in a month is, you know, that's a, that's a marketing budget for a lot of agents. Right. Um, under under fifty k a year is. is is a big marketing budget. Yep. Um, you know, you start getting into yep. a hundred k and over. Now you're you're probably talking to some of the higher higher end, more uh, sophisticated insurance yeah. agents that have larger marketing budgets. And so I think you know finding finding the lead vendors that are willing to start that relationship on a lower end, right and you know, it, mm -hmm. if I say, hey, I'm going to give you a, an entry level budget of 3K a month and let's see what it does. And if it works, hey, let's put fuel on the fire and there's no cap to this. If the numbers all shake yeah. out at the end of 90 days, we, we can run and gun and, and make this thing beautiful. Uh, but are they willing to yeah. invest in that relationship, work with me, tweak the campaigns, or are the vendors saying, you know, the, the sales rep for the vendor, you're a small time fish. You, you know, I don't, 
I don't need to make this work. I can go, you know, find somebody that's going to be yeah. spending 10 K or it's, well, we can add those filters or we can do more stuff for you, but you need to hire, uh, you need a larger monthly budget in order to do that. And so I think that is a lot of the frustrations that insurance agents come up against when they're starting to get into the lead mm-hmm. gen space, or even if they've been in it for a while and, uh, you know, are starting to bring on new vendors. Yeah, and that's an interesting point, and I definitely see it from that perspective. And uh, you know, I I tell everyone right, um, in from my perspective, insurance carriers are interesting to sell leads to, but they're not my focus because like I'm in this to help insurance agents. Carriers are great; they have, like you said, billion dollar marketing budgets. They have sophistication and technology that agents don't. Um, and I feel that I could still bring value to a carrier, but not as much value as I could bring to an agent. But from the from my side of the table too, I don't care if you're going to spend $100 a week or $10,000 a week. But my issue with the $100 a week spenders is if you don't have the processes in place in your office, it's not going to be successful, save the $100, right? But I'm all for starting small if you do have those processes in place to make lead generation successful. And what are those processes, right? Having staff to answer the phone, having staff to make phone calls, you know, running an effective sales organization, not having, you know, having split and segmented service and sales, you know, having, you know, technology that makes it easy when you get a lead that calls you back that you know who you're talking to, you know, because you get a screen pop on your CRM or something like that. That's what's important to me. Spend is not important to me. And and I think actually the day I'm recording this here with you tonight, I'm probably going to release on LinkedIn and Instagram a video talking about the ideal clients I want to work with. And that's not because I don't want to work with people who don't have the processes set up yet. It's because those people need an expert in that. And I'm happy to refer them to experts that I know that can really get their processes down and up and running first. But once they do, then those are the folks. And I don't care. Like I said, you spend $100, spend $100,000 a week. It doesn't matter to me. We deliver the same value proposition to everyone, which is just getting them the lead traffic that's going to convert and providing them the metrics and the insights behind that to show why we believe that is. We're not, you know, black box here. I think that's the worst thing that can happen. Um, you know, I want full transparency in the system, and I think that the lead generation ecosystem will be better served by that. And I feel like nobody's forced it so far, and, and it'll be very clear. I am forcing it because I'm giving people an alternative that they don't have in the market today, right? If you want to see, you know, time on form, how long was that person on the website form? If it was six seconds, I don't care what anyone tells me, that's not a good quality lead, right? And, you know, if the lead was submitted, you know, a million seconds ago, and I'll be very honest, I've seen leads come across my bidding platform where it shows that it's in excess of a million seconds old. Like, that's a long time. No one's going to buy that lead. They shouldn't buy it. Like, you know, but giving agents that level of transparency. So with other lead vendors that you've worked with, you know, is there transparency? You know, what's your kind of, you know, philosophy on that? Um, I've, this is the reason I got into this was to bring transparency. So I'm just interested to see what, what you think about that. Yeah, tra- transparency is uh, the golden egg that we're all searching for, and and and, and that's as I've gone through this lead gen uh, experience and life cycle to where I'm at today. One thing I realized is 
you know, you go to these conferences and you, and you talk to vendors and, and what are the hot, hot buttons that, that everybody says? We have real-time leads. We have exclusive leads. And what it, I, I, then I had to take a step back. All right, if everybody is saying the same thing, what does it actually mean? And is that real, right? And can we prove it? Yep. The answer yep. is no, because guess what? A lot of them are aggregators. And so they're not self-generating the leads. They're buying it from somewhere else. So maybe it's exclusive to me, but it was sold five times before it got to that aggregator and was sold only to me, right? Exactly. Real time. What, what is people's definition of a real time lead? Once I've, d- I've yeah. dug into it and some people's real time uh, definition is two weeks old. Yep. And, yep. and they say, it's well, we've seen, we've seen lead sell as old as two weeks old. Well, okay, if I wanted a two-week-old lead, then I shouldn't be paying yeah. the same price as a 30-second-old lead or a five-second-old lead, right? And so, yeah. you know, finding that transparency aspect, uh, you know, there's some great platforms out there like Trusted Form and Jornaya that kind of verify the, uh, the, the customer's journey and their, you know, when they're opting in and whatnot. Okay, so th- that stuff all exists, but it is pulling teeth to try to get verification of those forms. I mean, it, it's just, at one well, point it was Im- impossible, right? And so when you're yeah. when you're talking about transparency with the vendors, that those are the things where it's it's on face value transparency. Hey, trust us, you're getting that. You get some bad leads, just return it to us. Fifteen to twenty percent is okay, right? And if it gets up to 30%, we may or may not give you a credit back. But at the end of the day, yeah. if, if we take out the stuff that we're not intending to buy, then that 15%, can that drop? Because there is going to be some consumer, you know, fraud out there. 100%. Can't get Dishonesty. rid of that. Yeah. Yeah. Fraud, you know, yeah. uh, and, a, and a consumer that is going on a journey of shopping, could they potentially fill out multiple lead forms? Yes. Right? 100%. But yeah. it shouldn't be everywhere. Those are those are the few of the concerns that we have with transparency and trying to weed through it. Um, you know, in talking with with you, Peter, I, I think you're going down the right path of really trying to get to the source and being as transparent yeah. as you can with them and and providing that information available. I, I think that is really exciting stuff. To be honest with you. Yeah, and that's in you know it's funny because until I got on my my lead generation journey, right? Um, I did not know of any of those those companies, right? Um, you mentioned Active Prospect, you mentioned Jornaya, and I think now is as good a time as ever to like just break down what those are at a real high level for folks. So uh, I'll do that real quick. So you guys are probably like Googling, you know, what's Jornaya? How do you spell it? What's Active Prospect? Um, but what these companies do, right? is due to the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. You know, folks have to, to opt in to getting uh, phone calls, especially if they're on the do not call list. And um, how, you know, website owners uh, and whether it's an insurance carrier or, you know, just a lead generation website or a comparison site, they have a script that lives on that website that tracks the user's journey through that website. And it gathers important uh, analytics, like how long the person was on the form and how long you know, ago did they hit the submit button. And 
and there's a serial number that's assigned to those leads. And you know, when I buy leads from a lead publisher, I require contractually that they provide me those, we'll call them serial numbers. And I then ping those companies and, and pay them you know, a substantial amount of money um, to gather that analytic data with the serial number that I'm sending. And then I do that all in under a few seconds. And then unlike you know, most of my competition, I provide that to users who, who want to see it, lead buyers uh, that want to see it, because this is a game of transparency. Um, lead generation is, in my mind, it's gone too far. Um, the carriers have the financial resources to protect themselves, the small insurance guys uh, and girls out there don't. And that is what really bothered me. Because if it's good for one party, it should be good for all parties. And I'm not saying that everyone is equal and we all have to be treated fair. Like, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm a competitive person. Um, and so those who want it and go get it should be the ones that get it, right? But what I'm not for, Eric, is what you just said, is that there's some people who sit in the same position I do as a lead aggregator that just outright won't give the information to you or won't even give you the serial number so you could pay to, to check the information yourself. And I would say at a very high level, that's a very difficult thing for an insurance agency to do because of the way lead flow and lead distribution works, but it's not necessarily impossible, but it would cost more money than it would save for most insurance agents. But look, I do it because I wanna know what the leads that I'm selling to my customers are fresh that they're not fraudulent, right? And that they're legitimate. And in turn, why would I just sit on that data and hold it you know, on my own computer and not share it with others? I mean, I want you to know when you buy leads from Lead Clinic that they're good quality leads, right? I want you to know and I wanna show verifiable third-party metrics that show it. And that's what's the difference is, I think, between what we're doing and what everyone else is doing. Um, but you know, you're one of the very few insurance agents who even know what those those companies do or, or how they do it. So I think this is a great you know, piece of knowledge. And I'm always, I don't sit here and, and you know, hoard knowledge and just, you know, it's like, oh, it's a secret sauce. There is no secret. The secret sauce to this is just treating the customer how you want to be treated, right? I mean, that, that's the secret sauce. I mean, listen, there are a lot of people who are as crazy as I am out there, but like literally I've spent millions of dollars, my own money, like not venture capital money, not, you know, private equity, my own money. And like two years of my life traveling two to three weeks, you know, a month going to various events to build the relationships like you talked about to be able to do this. And that I'm not going to say that this is all proprietary information or something. A lot of my competitors do that. But look, I'm gonna sell more leads to more insurance agents than they are because I'm gonna be transparent. And I hope, my goal honestly, Eric, is to make them as transparent as I am because I think that's better for the entire system. And I think it'll root out a lot of the fraud. And I don't think it's just good for us as insurance agents. And I don't think it's necessarily bad for the aggregators. They might make some less money, but listen, it was dishonest money to begin with. But I think it's good for America. And I don't wanna like really stand really high on my soapbox here, but. We're at this point where people are getting harassed um, you know, by the phone calls that they get over and over and over again. And if those leads aren't in fact legitimate and someone's just making a quick few dollars by selling them to insurance agents and insurance agents are calling people that don't wanna be called, that's a bad problem for society in general. The good news is that bringing transparency into this solves 
many, many, many more problems than just the ones we're fighting for. It makes a lot of other things better too. So I think that's an important part. But, you know, I, I get back to this. Insurance agents are small business owners that need to, to really monitor and, and monitor their marketing budget, not just marketing, every expense they make, staffing, utilities, everything that goes in, technology. And, you know, when you're really looking at vendors that you work with, whether they're lead vendors or any vendors, Eric, you know, what, what are the key things that you look for when you're building those relationships? How do you assess their commitment to whether it's transparency or honesty? You know, wh what's your process like? You know, what, what are you looking for in vendors? So when I, when I look for a, a vendor, you know, you, I, I am honest and transparent with them as well, right? I'll, I'll talk about our processes, what we're doing. Um, you know, I, I want to gauge their feedback of what they're doing in the marketplace. I think a lot of times when you talk to vendors, they talk about their stats and metrics as a whole nationwide. And, you know, I, I say, all right, that's, that's great that you're doing it over there, but how many, are, are you working with any agents in California and how do those metrics stack up versus now your nationwide metrics, right? What, what is kind of the baseline that I should expect going in this with you? Now, if you're brand new into the California market and we're first to, uh, first to the table and we're kind of the guinea pig, all right, let's, let's do it and let's test it out. We'll help you build out California. Um, and so, so kind of, I, I like to establish a base, baseline of what the expectation is on performance, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, our, our, Cost per bind, uh, you know, one of the metrics that we use is is two hundred and fifty dollars cost per bind, and we like, and then mm -hmm. on the closing ratio side, we like to look at um, is it at least meeting, uh, you know, if it's on a live call, or are we at the very minimum fifteen percent? But you know, can we we like to see it over twenty percent, ideally going to thirty percent on on the internet data lead side? You know, it's it's interesting to me that it's okay at this number, but 3% seems to be the, the standard on the closing ratio on the internet data leads, right? Um, can we get it up to 5%? That's working really well. If it's living at the 1%, um, man, that's gonna be painful, but we should see some movement after the 90 days. Um, so that's kind of the starting point, right? And so, so they know, our expectations, we know their expectations, kind of where their baseline, but then it takes work, right? A relationship doesn't happen on one phone call. And so then it's, you know, yep. especially when starting with a new vendor, a weekly call is good. You know, do a weekly recap call, debrief, yeah. how are things doing? Um, you'll get a better pulse mm -hmm. on returns, bad leads, you'll get feedback from your team, relaying that to the vendor. And then you're kind of building it out. Now, after uh, you've had the relationship for a while, I think it can go to a monthly debrief call and kind of, you know, making in the beginning, I think you're making more tweaks and, and doing some A-B tests and trying to figure out where the market is for them. Um, and and then after a while, you're, you're kind of getting it shored up and, and you're, you know, after six months to a year, you're probably responding to the market. And if there's rate increases or certain zip codes or, you know, uh, from the carrier level being pushed down, if you're tweaking different uh, marketing demographics. But um, and then 
you know, the transparency on the other side with the vendor is telling them who else you're working with and what their metrics, you know, Mm -hmm. hey, here's the performance metrics from my other vendors. Here's how you stack rank. Do you want to be at the bottom of the list or do you want to be at the top of the list? Because guess what? The guy on the top of the list is getting five times as much money as you are. And you're either going to be here in three months or all your budget is going to the guy on the top of the list. And it's being trans, you know, nothing, nothing personal. It's just business, right? Uh, Yeah. Performance matters. Yeah. You hit it right on the head. And I think that, that that level of transparency from my perspective is what like I value in clients. Like, if my clients are willing to share that information, I, I love it because I'm a competitive person. Like, that's me. I want to be at the top of that list. And not only, I'll say this, not only because I want all of the lead spend, right, from every agent that I work with, because I do. I'm a competitive person. I want it all. I don't want part of it or just a little bit. I want it all. But I also want to feel good at night when I go home, and I want to know that I'm actually driving value for these small business owners. Because at the end of the day, this is if this is a one-sided relationship where I just look at it and say, okay, I made some money, you know, it is what it is, that's not that great feeling of accomplishing something meaningful. And that's what I'm looking for in everything I do, right? That's Part of the reason I enjoy being an insurance agent as well, right? We help people during, you know, life's uncertainties. I mean, that is, there's something noble about that. And there's something from the lead generator and the lead aggregator's perspective of helping small business owners scale their business, businesses that don't have the resources that full-time marketing staff in their office every day working on marketing plans. That's what lead generation replaces is a marketing department in an agency. And... I feel like, you know, driving value for those people, that makes me feel good. And seeing that I'm doing better than all my competition, I love it because that would that motivates me to keep doing the right things and keep being transparent and, and helping them achieve success and achieving success of my own too through it. So I would say to the insurance agents out there listening, please take a page out of Eric's book and, and do stuff like that because it would motivate me and it should motivate any of my competitors. Now, I don't know if it will or not because, you know, I, I would say most of my competitors are kind of like entrenched in the lead generation swamp, if you will. But, um, you know, it should motivate them to do better. And it should, and, and if they're not, and listen, not every lead vendor is going to be great for every agency or every ge- uh, geography, right? And that's fine. But if you're not providing value, politely bow out and say, you know what, I, this just isn't something I can help you with. And I think that that's a noble thing to say too versus just sitting there and you know taking money for something you know doesn't work or isn't working as well as it should. So yeah, you're making, you know, this is, uh, uh, this is gonna, I think we'll title this episode like how to be the uh, dream client of, of a lead <laughs> aggregator. But um, this is important. And this is sometimes that's the relationship that you're talking about though, Eric, is you have to build that relationship with your vendors to get more of what you want. And I think one of the biggest concerns I had when I was, you know, full-time insurance agent, not like, you know, because frankly, I'm like 10% insurance agent these days, 90% lead gen. Um, But one of my biggest concerns was, you know, some of my large competitors, and, you know, I don't need to be inelegant and name names, but the publicly traded ones, when you read their 10Qs and their 10Ks, you start to see that they're not generating many of their own leads, right? They're buying them from other publishers and reselling them. And I think that when 
I came to that conclusion, I was like, okay, well, where's this stuff coming from? And why can't I track it by source? And I'm interested, Eric, with any of the other vendors that you work with, you know, do they provide you source level data? Not necessarily providing you with the name of, of the publisher. And, you know, some of my clients will say, Peter, you give us a code, why won't you just tell us the name? And I tell them, honestly, because if you called them, they're not gonna sell you leads anyways, right? They don't sell to agents directly. And some of them are on this podcast in previous episodes that you've already heard from, so you know who they are. Do any of the other vendors you work with provide you that level of detail? And you know, do you find, would you find that level of detail helpful? I would absolutely find that level of detail helpful. Uh, you know, and I think it's important to note when we're talking about this, we can't have these conversations with the vendors unless the agents send the dispo data, disposition data of the leads in order to get feedback, right? It's not only the bad leads, um, but what are you, what leads are you marking as sold? What are, what are you marking as quoted? Uh, no contact, right? And so when that when the vendor gets that that disposition data of the leads, then they're going back and looking at it and saying, you know, I'm having these conversations. They're like, hey, Eric we're seeing not a lot of traction from these five sources. I'm going to go ahead and exclude them and we'll see if we can get more leads from the good sources that you guys are closing business from and see if that's going to elevate uh, the closing ratio, the cost per sign, cost per buying, the quoted. And, and so not a lot of people give the full transparency of, Hey, here's the sources and that we're excluding, but they're telling me that they're excluding sources. So I think there there is some work to be done on getting that full transparency, um, but cleaning up the sources and, and where the leads are coming from is, uh, is important and is helpful in trying to improve the quality and performance of the different campaigns that uh, we're utilizing. Yeah, and I, that's critical, right? Because if we're not getting the disposition data back, we can't help agents. And, and this is a big point of contention. And you know, this is a good segue, um, you know, into uh, you know, hopefully one of our future guests on the podcast uh, with Lead Swami. But there are services like, and, and we both know Jay at Lead Swami, who does a fantastic job of you know, helping agents organize their disposition data and kind of show the metrics and dashboards of you know, what lead vendors are working and which aren't, but also, you know, at least within lead clinic leads, providing what subsources of those. And like, look, I'm ultra transparent, right? Transparency is the name of the game. And we not only are providing a source code, but we're providing a subsource code. So that means like, you know, my vendors provide me with a subsource code and that could just differentiate um, likely a different advertising campaign. It could just be something as subtle as, you know, one, two, three is the duplication of the ad one, two, three, four, but the one, two, three is in green and the one, two, three, four is in blue. And, and many people will think I'm crazy right now, but that level of sophistication is what large brands, whether they're insurance or non-insurance, whether from Allstate or Coca-Cola or State Farm or I don't know anyone, right? That's how they measure their advertising, right? These different granular details in the advertising campaigns. And when we get that back, then we know what works. And look, what works in North Dakota doesn't work in California, right? I mean, this is we're a huge country of, you know, you know, hundreds of millions of people and people in different geographies, you know, some things work for them and, and you know, they like what they see and in other places they don't. So getting that data back on an agent 
agency by agency basis is is huge, and you know um, it just maximizes the success that someone's going to have with lead generation. And a lot of agents don't want to do give back that disposition data, and I'm not exactly sure why. Um, I tell them it's not like like we're doing this to help make the advertising campaigns better. Um, we you know we don't care how much money you're making or if you close a hundred of our policies or a thousand of them. We want you to close them all. That's the goal of getting the disposition data back is to make the data better. So is yeah. that something you've always been doing, Eric, or is that something that's been a more recent change, or, or kind of what's the philosophy at, at your agency? That, that, honestly, that's something that we've always been doing, and it because it's not going to get better if you don't know why, right? I mean, how often do you talk to yeah. your counterparts in the lead gen space, and or I talk to other insurance agents, and they come and they just say, what, what lead should I be buying? Where should I buy from, right? And then yeah. they go test out a lead vendor, and then I get a call a week later, two weeks later. I haven't closed anything in two weeks. It's not working. I'm stopping the buy. And I said, well, what, what were you tracking it off of? Or, you know, why, why didn't it work? And he said, I don't know. Yeah. We, we, we spent a thousand dollars. I haven't seen anything. And so we just stopped. Well, yeah. that's not good for anybody. Right. Because yeah. now it, it, it took volume off the table from other agents. Um, you know, maybe it's, it's something on their process side. Right. And, and maybe they don't have a full, robust sales organization with talk paths and uh, call cadences and, and maybe they need some work. Maybe they were missing phone calls, right? I think that's a, a big thing with yep. people that just starting out. Um, and so you, you got to, again, it kind of goes back to the relationship side. It's got to go both ways where you got to give the feedback in order to improve it. Because if you're just going to, if you just give somebody money and never talk to them again, well, we'll Good luck and let me know how that works out because I haven't seen that be successful yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, that's not a winning solution. That's not a winning solution. Being partners, thinking of your lead vendors and all your vendors, whoever it is, whether you know it's an office supply vendor or whether it's you know your employees that work in your office, your software vendors, your lead vendors, whoever it is, thinking of them as partners, that's the kind of vendors you want to work with and you want to have that mutually beneficial relationship. That's the way to be successful. And obviously you're doing that and, and that's, uh, you know, that's obviously why you're successful in this business is because you're, you're doing the right things, building relationships with your vendors and others um, to have a good working business. And I feel like that's something that we're losing a little bit of touch with as society in general um, is people building relationships with other people. And I think that's a very good thing. And uh, the folks that really will do that and continue to do that in the future, those are the ones who are going to differentiate themselves between their peer groups. So I think uh, you're spot on. And I think that's, that's exactly right. Eric, any questions you have for me? So like, you know, and, and uh, fully transparent, right? Uh, this was completely unscripted, right? I did not give Eric my questions in advance, and he is not giving me any questions he may ask in advance. But um, we're just having an honest conversation here uh, about you know what we do and how we do it, and why we both love what we do. So, uh, Eric, anything that you want to ask me, I'll answer anything. I'm fully transparent all the time. So this this is more leads. This question more leads to the future a little bit. Um, but I think the, you know, part of this is now, 
What, what's your take on, you know, I, I think some of the hot topics in the lead gen space right now is two phrases, AI and machine learning, yeah. right? Would you agree yeah. with that? Uh, so where, where do you yeah. see that going and, and how is that going to change the consumer journey in the lead space? Yeah, so so AI is really interesting. It's like, I mean, talk about in my lifetime. I don't think that we've gone and talked about where no one really talked about it on like one day, and then the next day everyone talked about it. I mean, I mean, perhaps like COVID nineteen and then AI would be the two things that no one knew what they were until everyone knew what they were. So it's so strange, but. You know, AI has a place in in the lead generation journey right now, and I would say that its place today and probably for the foreseeable future is in um, automated contact attempts to to reach consumers, right? Um, and I think most people by the time you're watching this episode will know that Lead Clinic has a, uh, a partnership with Verse.io, which is a customer contact solution that many insurance agents use um, through their relationship with Lead Clinic. And it is an automated texting solution that also um, replies to those text messages in a very thoughtful way. Um, the key is, and why I believe Verse does it the right way, is it's not just AI. Just AI doesn't work, okay? I mean, unless my longstanding position on this is unless you have a half a billion dollars and you dump that into AI, literally a half a billion dollars, it's not going to be good AI. It's not going to be great. It's not going to be perfect 100% of the time. Think about the AI tools that humans use on a daily basis today and have for a long time, right? Siri and Alexa. That Amazon and Apple dumped a substantial amount of capital into building those. So that's the place that AI is today. Um, I think that AI can also in the future hold like, you know, a place to like, you know, send an, send an email to Eric and remind him, you know, that he's going to close, uh, we're going to close his policy at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and that's probably the future of what AI looks at. Machine learning, I think, is critical, and it's something that we use um, with the disposition data that we get back from our, our partners that we work with in figuring out what leads to bid on on their behalf and, and what's worked historically, whether that's um, profiling a consumer um, and seeing if it's the right target or whether it's applying um, you know, pricing uh, algorithm analytics uh, for carriers uh, against that particular consumer's uh, you know, target pricing to see if this lead works best for an Allstate agent or a State Farm agent or, you know, an agent that sells Safeco or Mercury or some other carrier. So I kind of see that, that that's where the lay of the land is today um, and probably where it will be significantly for the future in those two aspects. Very good. And yeah, any other questions you have for me, Eric? I think that was the one on top of my mind. Uh, yeah, all right. that's, I love that's it. All good. I love it. Well, hey, Eric, thanks for joining me in the lead clinic. It's been an honor to have you. I really appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to talking to you again soon. Awesome. Appreciate the time, Peter. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, Eric.